Welcome to the biggest thing to hit the financial advisory ESG community, environmental, social, and governance. I'm Jonathan Kavaznik, CHFC Wealth Advisor. With over 25 years advisory experience, I've been advising clients so they can make a positive global impact. Hello, and welcome to the ESG Players Podcast with your host, Jonathan Kavaznik, one of the leading ESG advisors in the country. This week, we're going to be discussing the UN Sustainable Development Goal number two, which is zero hunger. One thing I noticed on this list uh, that they have for zero hunger is they noted that a profound change of the global food and agriculture system is needed for us to nourish today's 795 million hungry. There will be an additional 2 billion increase in global population by 2050. How are we supposed to feed the world? I just, I don't get how we're supposed to do this. One thing I do mention when we discuss this with Kathy Mays, the executive director of Lowe's and Fishes, is I don't see how we can ever combat hunger. There are people that are hungry 24-7. We might wait an hour longer than we have to to eat because we're maybe meeting a friend for lunch and we have to go a little later than we thought and we're hungry and we might say we're starving. And that's really sad because we're not in comparison to the people that are really hungry, that aren't getting a meal, that don't know where their next meal is going to be. They say that one in four people just here in the Twin Cities are experiencing poverty every every day, every meal. And we have approximately 60 food shelves in Minneapolis and 15 in St. Paul. And there's 853 cities in Minnesota and hundreds of food shelves. But we still have people that say they're going hungry. Is it embarrassment, do you think, people that don't want to ask for help? Well, <clears throat> I think you have to ask ourselves, I think you have to ask ourselves, what's the goal here, right? So the goal is to end hunger and achieve some food security, improve nutrition, and promote sustainable agriculture. You know, and so when we talk about it on a global basis, why? Because extreme hunger and malnutrition remains a barrier to sustainable development, and it creates a trap from which people cannot easily escape. Right. Right? So right. hunger and malnutrition mean we're less productive individuals. Right. Yeah, so, because if you don't have food, you're, how does your brain work? You can't work because right. you can't. You need food to sustain your brain and sustain your physical ability to do things. Right, and and it also we're more prone to disease and thus more often unable to improve our lifestyles or to earn a living when we're malnutritioned or going hungry. You know, so on a global basis, it's crazy. There's nearly 800 million people who suffer from hunger worldwide. The vast majority are in developing countries, of course. However, we have our own issues right here in Minnesota and around our own country about hunger. So the question is, you know, how many people really go hungry on a global basis? So it's approaching 821 million people. That's one in every nine people on the planet. Oh, from the 795 million that I read, what was that? Yesterday. Are we going to say one's yesterday and then one's today, right? I don't know. Jeez. Wow. Crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. And it does. Every day it gets, the numbers get bigger and bigger. No, it's not going to end. I don't know what we do. Right? Hunger is on the rise. Yeah. And we just have to do our best to help. However that might be, whether it be with your dollars or whether it be with your hands to make the food for people, how do you expect kids to develop, well, mentally and physically develop properly if they're not getting food? 
Right. So we all want families to have enough food to eat that is safe and nutritious. Yeah. And a world with zero hunger can positively impact our economies. We can have better health and better education, better equality and social development if right. people aren't hungry, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's a key piece for building a better future for everyone. Additionally, with hunger limiting human development, we will not be able to achieve other sustainable development goals that are important to us, and that would be like, education, health, and right. gender equality, right? Right, right. So when we think about how much... So, you're, so Jonathan, you're saying gender equality? Why are you throwing gender equality in there? I don't get where that pertains to the hunger problem that we have. Right, and it all gets back to people being able to achieve a better life, to be better educated, to be able to uh, be self-sustaining. And if, if you look at in a lot of cultures and in a lot of places around the world, if the woman is not allowed to uh, sustain herself, to get educated, to have good health uh, care accessibility, and then uh, maybe also is hungry, that she's not able to lift herself up and have gender right. equality in those cultures. Because in a sense, she's boxed in or she's captive or she's a slave to hunger and she never gets out of that vicious cycle. Oh, okay. That makes right? sense. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. So again, maybe uh, males are able to, because physically they get out and they go do the work and they keep the, uh, the female unaccessible to the food quality or unaccessible to education or unaccessible to healthcare. And if there's more food and people are not hungry, then they can lift themselves up and look for equality. Right, right. right? Good so, point, yeah. So it may not just be gender equality. It could be racial equality. It could be um, any type of equality that's keeping people down because they're hungry and desperate and uh, are not able to lift themselves up because of the hunger that's driving them not to be able to right. get to the other I mean, important avenues. Imagine worrying about where your next meal is going to come from. People that are privileged, like many people on this planet, don't realize how hard it is to worry about where your next meal is going to come from. Your brain can't think about the next thing. Now I have to worry about where I'm going to sleep tonight. What, you know, what about, what if you have children and you have to worry about that? Or if you have a job and, and you can't go to the job because you have a kid that's sick and then if you don't get to the job, you don't have any money to get food. I mean, it is a complete vicious cycle. So what can people do to help, Jonathan? Right. So that's a really important piece of what we're trying to get across in our podcast and let people be aware and educated. And one of the things that we have to think about is it's about what we make choices in our own life, at home and at work and in the community. And one of the things we could do is we can support our local farmers, right? Mm -hmm. Or we can make better sustainable food choices that help support the sustainability of, of where the food comes from. We can support good nutrition for all, meaning not only for those who are able to do it because they have the resources, but also helping those who may not have the resources to bring them up and make sure that they have access to good nutrition and we can fight food waste. If we think about it, a third of all the food produced in America is actually thrown away and wasted. That could be a huge opportunity for us to help feed the poor. Yeah, that's trying really hard to really focus on no waste. That's right. And so one way you, as a consumer is you can vote and demand that businesses and government make the changes that will make zero hunger a reality. When you think about how your investment portfolios are positioned and how your money is being used on a global basis or on a more national basis, think about what the companies that you're investing in are doing to help make zero poverty. Think about how they're impacting agriculture and food choices and how they're helping to feed the poor. And then take that back to the local level. So we had this great opportunity to talk with Kathy Mays from Loaves and Fishes. Enjoy the conversation. 
Kathy Mays is the executive director of Loaves and Fishes of Minnesota. And I would like to welcome you today, Kathy, to the ESG Players Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, Kathy, we really appreciate your time today. Uh, One of the things that we're focusing on is the uh, UN Sustainable Development Goals. And uh, the second goal is to have zero hunger in the world and also in our local community. And so I'm thinking if you could give us a little bit of a tidbit about um, how loaves and fishes helps get to zero hunger. Well, that's a big nut to crack. Um, We are the largest meal program in the state of Minnesota. Um, Today, we'll serve about 2,700 meals to people in need across mostly the uh, seven counties and then up in Aiken and down in Marshall. We believe that, you know, really good, fresh, healthy food is the best thing that we can do for the people that come to our dining sites, that are in shelter, wherever we're serving a meal. That's one of our first and foremost goals is to make certain that the food is really good for the people that are eating it. Just because you're poor does not mean that you crave rice and beans or ramen. Um, so we, that's, that's really one of our uh, cornerstones, if you will. In the corporate and business community, a, a lot of times we're hearing they're looking for partnerships and ways that they can give back to the community or ways that they can help. Can you give a, an example or two of maybe how some of your corporate partners, whether it's in the food industry or how they're really participating in helping Lowe's and Fishes achieve that? Sure. Well, you know, our biggest partner um, is Second Harvest Heartland. So Mm -hmm. we are the first uh, redistributor of Second Harvest Heartland. So we help redistribute that food, large amounts of food to smaller uh, other nonprofits that are serving meals at their site. So that's one one really important partner for us. But I would give you some other examples. Um, The University of Minnesota and Best Buy, and other large organizations that have cafeterias. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of food waste in this system. The chefs that make the, the meals for the people that come through large cafeterias, they might have a whole pan or three pans, four pans left that haven't been touched. Mm-hmm. They actually freeze those for us, mark them. We come in and we're able to reheat them um, and, and get them right out to our sites. Uh, maybe put a couple of fresh herbs in it. Um, so that's one way that our cor- corporate partners are helping us um, and making sure that there's zero waste. Mm-hmm. They, um, Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport is a, an incredible partner of ours. We uh, drive in there with a, a box truck two, three, four times a week and pick up all of the sandwiches and salads that that aren't sold as you're walking through the concourses. And that, that's amazing food that can go right to the streets and can go in people's backpacks. They care about people that are hungry, and they care that they're not wasting. It must be a logistical hardship to do that, or it must just be amazing. How does that work? How does anyone really accomplish that? You know, it really is a day-to-day operational meeting every morning because Mm -hmm. we'll get a call that somebody has food that needs to be picked up. Maybe it's a pallet of food, so we know that we need to have a certain truck go there. Um, Just really creating a system, making certain that that system is not wasting our staff time and is making sure that we're taking care of that donor who wants to donate, that we say we're going to be there when we're going to be there. Another great partner is the U.S. Bank Stadium. 
we're picking up uh, food from from that location. It's food from some of their vendors. They mm-hmm. know they're going to throw it away, and so it it goes into a system called Meal Connect, and we get the phone call that there's food, and we fire up the engines and get right over there and pick it up. How much would you say comes that way compared to just the big grocers giving you uh, food to actually create meals from scratch? What is there a combination of those two then that takes place? Yeah, well, so Jonathan, we're really a, um, I, I'd say we're a free restaurant, right? So uh, we need okay. a large quantity. So that's going to mm-hmm. be coming from Second Harvest Heartland, and then the some of the other organizations that I mentioned. Um, so we're rescuing and we're taking in food from Second Harvest and the other food banks in the area. And that's um, pretty much how we get our food. If it's a grocery store, a lot of that food, you know, cans and small boxes would most likely go to food shelves um, and not necessarily to meal programs. I see. Okay, that makes sense. Is there 27 or how many locations are you actually providing meals on a daily basis from? Well, it gets very confusing, but I'll try to keep it as simple as possible. We have 27 open-to-the-public dining sites. We open our doors up for lunch and dinner and just welcome people in. We don't even ask any questions. We're just so happy that they're there. Um, And then after that, we have 40-some other partnerships, like I, I talked about, whether it's a shelter or an addiction recovery, a youth shelter, trauma if it's a home or a location that they're going to be serving meals, mm-hmm. they utilize a lot of our food. So we have another 40 efforts, if you will, on top of our 27 open to the public dining sites. So it's, it seems like, uh, you know, of course, I live in St. Paul in the Twin Cities and part of the local community and that there might be a lot of times where I wouldn't even know that Lowe's and Fishers is actually behind the scenes making this happen when I look at some of the dining centers or some of the efforts that are taking place. So would that probably be true for, in most cases where your name isn't really out there on the forefront? We have signage out, so you would okay. know if yeah. it was an open to the public site. But if it was, let me uh, give you an example in St. Paul, um, Safe Zone, which is right down in the inner city of St. Paul, it's, which is a day shelter for, for youth, mm-hmm. um, you wouldn't know that we were involved with that site because you most likely wouldn't walk through the doors. Right. Um, yep. And even the youth that are there don't know that, that the food is coming from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kathy, you had sent an article for us to look over that was really wonderful. Sadly, we personally missed it. It was in the Star and Tribune this summer. It had a quote from the White House that said, White House declares war on poverty is over. How in the world can anybody think that poverty is over with? Poverty has been here since the beginning of time. Do you feel that this could ever happen? Do you feel like we could ever be a world where poverty is no more? No, no. And, and especially right now, I will tell you, um, there's just so much data out there that, that the divide is getting so much greater between those that have and those that have not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there really isn't that middle class that I grew up with and that you grew up with, that that's shrinking and we're just becoming further apart. And I would say that I started in this industry right when the recession hit 
And the people that were hit the hardest have still not gotten out of that recovery. And, and, you know, there's lots of spokes in this wheel. So food is really one of them, but you can talk about the other spokes, whether it's housing, you know, living wages, all of that put together. Um, But if you're worried about your housing, if you're worried about your medical, if you're worried about if you're going to have a job tomorrow, if you're hungry, those problems can't be solved. You need to eat. And so that's really where, where I sit kind of firmly that it's hard to make decisions in this world if you're hungry. Right, right. We need food. We need food to think. We need food to work. It's amazing what you guys are doing. Maybe you can share with us, how could our listeners, if they wanted to get involved or they wanted to try to do something positive and help loaves and fishes and help people who are looking for that need of food, what could they do or how could they get involved? Well, probably the easiest is to find us, um, find our website, and that's loavesandfishesmn.org. Um, and when you get to the site, there are you know, three ways to get involved. You could um, be a volunteer, you could be a donor, or you can actually be a participant and find the sites that are open. Um, we have online signups. It's really easy to uh, find a location that, that's near to you and uh, a time that works. We also love to get teams. So if you are a work group, it's a fantastic way to get out of your four walls in your office and work with your coworkers in a, in a totally different way and learn about what's happening really right here in our backyard where hunger presents itself 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We all know what it's like to be hungry. We've mm-hmm. all been hungry at some point in time. And if that is chronic and pervasive, that's really hard to make it in the world. Well, I think one of our goals is, as far as we're in the financial business and we deal with clients who are looking to place their dollars that match their values, and I think it's really awesome and important for them to hear what you're saying. A lot of times we don't know what's happening out there. As you mentioned, I don't walk in the front door maybe of the food service or I don't go out to an area where there's poverty on a regular basis. And so it's kind of out of sight, out of mind, but this can bring it to the forefront so that they can really take hold of that idea that this is really important, not only on a personal level, but also for our corporate institutions to really take account of this. I think that we have a great amount of information here for our podcast today, uh, focusing on zero hunger. Um, I want to thank Kathy for taking time out of her busy day to come on with us and help our listeners learn a little bit more about what's going on in the area of feeding our poor and helping people who are struggling. What would you say would be a good way for our listeners to help out? People want to get close to the face of hunger, and so volunteering is an amazing an amazing way to do that. Hunger right here in Minnesota presents itself in, in many different forms, from young children all the way up to senior citizens, people that are housed, people that are in shelter, people that are in recovery. Wherever people are hungry is where we are, and so volunteering is a great way to do that. And then giving money, you know, it costs us a lot of money to, to do the work that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, really important work. Becca, do you have anything you'd like to add? Or I think I, that'll be a great, a great show for us today. No, Kathy, we really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for joining us today on the ESG Players Podcast. Thank you so much and uh, have a great day. You too. Thank, Thank you. you. If you have any questions, please contact Jonathan Kavaznik 
at jkavaznik, that's K-V-A-S-N-I-K, at securitiesamerica.com. ESG Players Podcast can be found on iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and many other platforms through the Backroom Studios. That's Backroom Studios, S-T-E-W-D-I-O-S. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc. Member FINRA, SIPC, Jonathan B. Kovacnik, CHFC, Registered Representative, Advisory Services offered through Securities America Advisories, Inc. Cherokee Investment Services, Bank Cherokee, and Securities America are separate companies, not FDIC insured, no bank guarantees, may lose value, not insured by any government agency, not bank deposits.